piercing eyes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now we should be live. We Does, are. Did you guys get a notification? Yeah. Oh, yay. Yep. Yay, we're uh, streaming live. Live. Woo, 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 woo. Everyone heard me. Hi, everybody. Oh, my God. We're professionals. (laughs) So, so professional. Hello, everybody, and thanks for watching the first episode of Laughing Into the Void, where we interview different comedians and other people involved with the comedy scene. I'm your host, Tom, and also with me is my co-host, Roz. If you like today's show, yep, say hi, Roz. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Start over, start over. Um, This is already going great. Maybe by our next 10 shows, we'll have the intro down. (laughs) Right, no, probably not. Uh, But if you like today's show, be sure to tune in next week and check us out at district-comedy.com. Um, today's guest is very special. He's a personal friend of both of us, uh, with seven or eight years improvising with us on the Annapolis-based improv true free range improv and my co-host on the TB and J Mike. He is originally from Maine and was recently appointed to alderman of the city council of Annapolis. <laughs> Finally, uh, you can see what he's cooking and some lovely pictures of his demo cat Lucy by following his Instagram, Brooks likes food. Please. Join me in welcoming Brooks Shandlebyer. Okay, now, I'm done. now we can just talk like normal people. <laughs> no. No. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. Well, I have a couple of questions prepared, but feel free to just kind of like get off topic or, or whatever. If you but... want to get Lu- Lu- Goosey Lucy. Lucy Goosey? <laughs> Lucy Goosey. Lucy Goosey. Um... <laughs> live your life lucy is a cat not a goose um but okay um so for people who may be watching that don't know who you are brooks uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself you grew up in maine um and you now live in annapolis um so what first got you into comedy and what's one of its draws for you um i first got into comedy because i was unpopular in high school And so when I went into college, I joined the college improv group because that seemed like a great way to make (laughs) long-term friends with no drama whatsoever. (laughs) And it was an uneventful time in the college improv group. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I moved from Maine down to St. Mary's County, Southern Maryland. I didn't know anybody. And... um, so I joined like every single club and uh, I stuck in the college improv group because one of the people who was like running it kept being mean to me because we both like comic comics, but we liked different comics. And he took it like as an affront that I liked the uh, the poser, the poser comics. And um, I'm not even talking like comedians. I'm talking comic books where that were that dorky. <laughs> Oh my god. I would just like to I would just like to say I'm glad dudes get gatekept gatekept also when it comes to comics. But what, oh what qualifies as poser comics? Uh if you like Deadpool, that's a poser comic because that was like the funny one. Wolverine is poser comic because everyone likes Wolverine. So you have to like some weird obscure like independent comic to be into it and I'm like well I like Moon Knight and it's like not obscure enough because Spider-Man sometimes appears oh my god (laughs) and um so basically he would make fun of me for being a poser and I'd make fun of him for having more hair on his back than his head 
because he was a 22 year old in balding. And then I just kept doing it because um, I don't know, I got good at it. Oh, yay. That's yeah, good. Plus I met several girlfriends at the, at the improv <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it is, like how that's worked for anybody. I have never gotten like any dates or anything from com- No, no way. Stand-up's got, like, stand-up's got like the rock and roll appeal to it, but I feel like improv is an inherently unsexy art. Like mm-hmm. there's just something about it. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're go if you're a dude, especially, and you're going into it expecting to meet girls, it's probably not gonna happen for you. <laughs> and yeah. it somehow worked out for me. <laughs> yeah. And it followed the thought process that you had, because I was also confused when you said I was unpopular and had no friends in high school. So I'm going to do improv because that will change it. <laughs> that will change it. That's my ticket to being a popular, cool guy. <laughs> well, I think I'm like, pretty popular and cool. <laughs> I, it somehow worked for me. <laughs> Yeah, because that's basically what politics is, right? It's just being real popular. Yeah, it's pretty much being popular and knowing how to talk to people and like listen. Making things up as you go along. Making things (laughs) up as you go along. Yes, and. Someone says you're a communist and I go, yes, and defund the police. (laughs) And somebody did say that to you recently, right? Like in a Twitter exchange yeah, I, or something I, i've been called a communist a couple times already um and it's <laughs> i'm I kind of worry as a badge of honor at this point like i've put forward one bill i'm sorry to get so much into politics on a city uh annapolis city politics on a comedy podcast but like i put forward one bill that makes it easier to unionize and a bunch <laughs> of people are like you're a communist <laughs> also like as a as a self-described democratic socialist um, Brooks is too conservative on a lot of things for my taste. <laughs> so, like, not conservative, but like moderate, too yeah. moderate. Yeah. You know, like, I totally stand by him as as a person who should totally be in office, who I trust to to drive our great nation not off a cliff, but but also <laughs> he's, he's not exactly on the far left end of the spectrum either. Nope. But it's funny because like again I'm I'm getting all these people who are calling me a commie and it's just like well yeah but how do you know that? (laughs) Well yeah and not to like you said get too much into politics on a comedy podcast stream whatever but what was the bill? (laughs) Oh, I'm kind of curious now. It's a union bill so basically um the city uh, only accepts like public employee union petitions mm-hmm. uh, in the month of October, which is um, the rationale was something, something budget, whatever. And uh, basically I was like, okay, so we're going to make them accept that petition any time of year. And it's a pretty minor bill because it still only takes effect on like the next budgeting cycle. Um, it's more of like giving them a, a couple months advance in admin work. And I'm now a, uh, I'm now the most dangerous socialist on the Annapolis City Council. Ooh. Ooh. Paperwork. Paperwork. Which enemy of democracy everywhere. The paper has caused so many democracies to fall. God. Right. Uh, I wish people still read that. But um, <laughs> I wish people still read 
period. Um, but the librarian. Yeah, I know. Ugh, things are so hard with the libraries being shut down. I mean, people can still like check out books and stuff. Yeah, and people can still check them out. It's just, I miss being able to help people find where they are on the shelves. (laughs) Now they just pick up their holds and save a lot of time looking. (laughs) But uh, yeah, one day we'll be back though. Hopefully, hopefully soon. Um, But speaking of pandemic, um... (laughs) Obviously, with Free Range, you dabbled and you have the experience in improv comedy. But pre-pandemic, uh, you dabbled a little bit in stand-up, right? Like, yeah. you said you went to a few open mics, right? I, I, I um, Before the pandemic, I, I basically jumped jump off and on of stand-up. Um, <clears throat> and I, I've never done anything, like, serious uh, or been marketed as, like, here's our featured comic, except for at the Annapolis Nextival. Uh, of here are our featured comics and those were arguably my worst shows because our lead-in was squirrel (laughs) and who was this children's entertainer and um we couldn't make fun of squirrel because squirrel's jokes landed and ours did not amongst the four (laughs) to six year crowd (laughs) we did get paid in beer which was great (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) one of the three of us performing comics is a recovered alcoholic (laughs) You get paid extra then. <laughs> yeah. I guess. But like, but um, like be- before yeah. that though, I'd done stand-up in um in DC and Baltimore and Philadelphia. Uh, I did it out in Chicago. And this is again just like open mics, go out, make friends, hang out. Um and the the issue was though a nap isn't a big stand-up town so like for me i'd have oh, to go either out to dc or baltimore hang out forever long make the connections get moved forward on the list when you actually signed up on the list because otherwise what's the damn point of the list um <laughs> so like i just couldn't do it as much as i wanted to and actually the, the the zoom mics gave me the opportunity to actually like hang out do it and kind of hone it and hone joke structure so thanks that's great that was what my next question was going to be was uh like what is, you know, the virtual ones versus the in-person ones? I know for uh-huh. me that there have been like some distinct advantages, uh, you know, to being able to do it on Zoom, but also, you know, there's some stuff you miss. I miss the instant feedback uh, of live mics. And I also think that like a three minutes on Zoom is like four and a half minutes at a live show. Just because of that feedback, the pause for laughs, it doesn't feel too weird and awkward, but on a comedy online, you just kind of got to go for it. But like, I I still think it's fine. Um, I, I had known some comics who were like, I'm never going to do this. Of course, that was back when they thought like this was only going to be a month or two lockdown. And then they kind of gave in. And now most people are, I know are into it. Like it's, it's a different style a bit, but it's fun I, I i think it gives you like an opportunity to really workshop some new stuff and just really bang out things and see what can work on like a what can work on like certain levels because you know if i have to drive out into like drive out to another city get everything worked i'm not going to throw out some idea that i had like 10 minutes before that i think is funny but maybe won't land there i'm going to try and spend every minute honing and it's going to make my shit a little more predictable a little more right less adventurous here i'm just like oh i had this idea 10 minutes before ah, 
And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, yeah, who cares? I just went to my living room or my, my office. It's not a, a far distance to travel. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a uh, risk versus place. reward gonna, sort of. I was going to say, like, it's also a very, like, encouraging atmosphere because it's mostly other performers. So people are either actively rooting for you to be funny or they're too distracted by their own nerves to be listening to what you're saying. So it's just kind of like, there's not like the, there's not like the hinge that there is in live performance where it's like, you feel like you're going in front of these, all these experienced comics who are in the scene or whatever, and you might be the outsider. And there's, it's, it's nice because it can help you focus more on the comedy and less on the context in a way. Oh, 100%. Like, uh, I, I remember one of my first mics that I was doing out in Baltimore, basically, like, some of the, the like, the, the routine people that would go in there, um, they were actually really hostile to anybody new, which I frankly didn't oh, quite understand. Um, yeah, cat, come in here. My cat is outside just, <laughs> meow, meow. So we're getting a live action shot. Um, so, Get like, yeah, star. like, you, guest star lucy um, yeah you'd get like these new these comics who have been there forever and they're really hostile to the newbies and it's just something i never quite understood like you aren't losing your time like you're still farther up in the list for me if anything i'm going to be last because the host uh -oh. doesn't know who i am yet and it just Mm -hmm. it, it's bizarre i think in this people put their egos aside a little bit more um i think there's a little bit more of a nurturing environment like the tv and j mike um which is like when i co-host with you is probably one of the best comedic communities i've been part of like we set up these friendships and we we help workshop jokes Aww. with each other um and even like some of the other mics that popped on um have been pretty supportive just the, like other people have joined ours and so we try to help out and support theirs and I, I like the community that's building around it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the community is cool. Uh, um, <laughs> and then you actually touched on something a while back, which reminded me about a real anxiety <laughs> that I have, which is the whole like timing difference of like, you know, X number of minutes on Zoom, like three minutes is four and a half minutes in real life because you're pausing for all the laughs. And I'm just like, ready for things to open up again and for me to like go to my first live open mic and be like nope this timed exactly the same because nobody's <laughs> laughing and uh glad i practiced it as a monologue with uh no no reaction at all but, i mean i'm i'm looking forward to when things open back up of like trying to jump back into live performance i do think there are elements you can't quite capture on zoom that are worth the the extra hassles and all this other stuff but like i think this is a really good normalcy thing um for me like i i look forward to doing these mics every single week i'm really excited i'm sitting there writing any little joke that pops into my head in either a journal or on a google doc that i got up on my my office computer and it it makes something feel a little bit more natural in this pandemic which uh i'm always chomping at the bit for you know yeah, also, and I think, yeah. No, I was just going to say, as comedians, we're generally isolated, miserable bastards. And <laughs> the thing about this Accurate. pandemic is it makes you want to reach out and touch someone, but without exchanging droplets. So I think it's been a really nice way for comedians to be like, friend? friend. Oh, thank friend. God. Like, since I 
when we started doing these, like my fiance has been so much less fed up with me because previously I'd be testing every dumb joke I had on her and she'd do the polite. I do testing. that to Chris too. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's like, oh, thank God. It's his, it's his comedy night. He'll, he'll be quiet and leave me alone for like two hours. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I, uh, I guess am not quiet at all while I'm doing the mics and uh, <laughs> keep the whole house up. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's generally been like a lot of the consensus that I've been seeing on that topic is like, is it as good as a live mic? no not really but is it a good substitute for now yes and i've actually been uh really looking into not looking into but i really want to keep doing the comedy stuff that i've started online even when things start opening up um obviously i want to go to live mics too but um one of the things that's been really cool about it being online is it's a very low entry cost barrier for somebody who wants to host their own show. Mm-hmm. Um, like you got a zoom subscription, slap it up there. Um, so that's cool. Huh? You're Once in. a month. Yeah. Can you spare 25 bucks a month? You're in. Like yeah, it's exactly. I, I, I see that as a really positive thing uh, for the comedy scene in general. Um, I, and I do hope that continues. I, I think that this has led a lot of people who were on the fence about trying it, but were afraid of like hitting the open mic scene or any of the other stand-up scenes in their area, or maybe they're just too far out uh, of normal stand-up scenes to really get involved in it. That it gives them that opportunity to try it. Like uh, one, of, one of the people who just started jumping on our mics, AJ, Bangor, Maine. Middle of nowhere area, no stand-up scene. Like I've I've looked for them actively there when I was visiting home. In oh my Maine. god, <laughs> there's nothing. Like all the open mics are like just play the guitar. Um, it's just and... a campfire in the woods with like three bears and a squirrel. Basically, exactly. <laughs> and bears are able to cut right to the core of what you are insecure about yourself. So like you open your startup joke <laughs> and the person goes, "Do you have issues with your parents?" Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god. They're so mean. But yeah, so that's my spiel on that, but kind of on the note of comedy. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more even though we talked about politics a little bit already just because I'm interested in like have you found that, you know, there've been any intersections yet between like your comedy and your political life um so one of the things i actually credit improv with uh, helping me get as far as i have because it keeps you on your toes knowing how to adjust uh you get a lot of really weird out of left field questions either because you're just talking to someone who um a little more eccentric or they just have like a niche issue that they care about or you're dealing with like bad faith arguments from people and knowing how to adjust to those or it's maybe just like learning how to be fun and keep people loose around each other so you can actually work together. Um, the, the lone Republican on the city council um, and I have actually struck up a little bit of a friendship because we have a bit of a similar sense of humor. And, um, and that's helped me actually get through a couple of things that I've been trying to work on. And um, he's more into it. And he also like learned to listen to people and figure out, okay, what are they 
coming from with this point and can I take my issues and adjust it and rephrase it on the fly to get them to buy into those issues too. Um, one of my issues that I really care about is like trying to bring municipal broadband into Annapolis, uh, essentially build our own high-speed internet infrastructure. And I've kind of gotten some more conservative people on board by going like, this is a barrier to business, lack of internet access, especially during this pandemic when online commerce, online retail, online marketing is the most important thing. And not everyone can pay their internet bill right now, just saying. Exactly, exactly. Um, and there are a lot of people in the Downtown Business Partnership, which is like a pretty conservative group because it's like a bunch of business owners. They don't want anything to do with like extra regulations. They're like, no, this is our thing. And they're having difficulty marketing online, adapting their stores online. And I've gotten a couple of them on board with the municipal broadband idea because they're like, yeah, this would even post pandemic be a good uh, reduction in our overhead and would help our businesses kind of expand. Yeah, so you're investing in people and in business at the same time. It's like, kind of like that yes and improv principle. Huh? Huh? Exactly. Huh? Huh? Although I think the best example of yes ending in political history is going on right now with uh, Rudy Giuliani and like the Trump suing each of these different states <laughs> where it's like, well, there was, they're like, there was, uh, we're going to go, there was voter fraud and <laughs> it was aliens doing it. And yeah, it's only in the black cities. And <laughs> I mean, I do, I do love the, how I think four seasons total landscaping is oh just God. the epitome of <laughs> someone just threw it out there and they were like, well, fuck, we have to go with it. All right. Yes. We meant to do it here. And Rudy's going to come out to talk at a friendly business. And... <laughs> oh, oh, it's God. beautiful. I God dang, if it weren't for like all the fashy, terrible things and people being hurt, I, I would miss this, this Veep inspired <laughs> administration. Like this... one of the funniest bits I've ever seen on Veep was uh, Jonah Ryan's, um, we're against Muslim math because Arabic, we use Arabic numerals. And then two weeks later, two weeks later, Someone from the Trump campaign, like some spokesperson was like, and we're against these Arabic numerals, Arabic numbers being taught in schools. Oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> Just this. I didn't know that. <laughs> so Roman numerals only because the Romans never did anything problematic, like killed our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Exactly. And that's why I think we need to bring Christian numerals as their own thing. Mm-hmm. Everything is just a fish drawing. <laughs> But each fish drawing has a different meaning, and you'll learn the different fish meanings. Oh, okay, okay. So it's Romans like a, killed my a, Lord and Savior. That was Julius a terrible Caesar. joke. Caesar. That was a uh, terrible joke. It's like <laughs> um, a, it's like okay. a f- aquatic abacus, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like I, three fishes, an octopus, and a piece of seaweed. That's 30. <laughs> So I actually grew up with a really conservative, really religious uh, grandparents, and they kind of bullied my mom into sending me to a Christian camp. And I tried to do like a comedy thing there, but my entire set was how the Bible is an objectively terrible book. It's got oh. terrible plot structure, and it's the narrator is very unreliable. 
<laughs> and each of these characters come in and out, and there's no arc whatsoever. And the finally the only <laughs> interesting character they kill. And then there's still yeah. like three quarters of the book left to go. <laughs> just just like break it down as a literary work. It's <laughs> so basic bad components. And they oh did not like those jokes at all. At a, oh, at a well, Christian camp, they I didn't like making fun of the Bible. They did not. <laughs> oh. Well, that, well, have you seen it the other way, though? Have you seen, like, I don't know, um, politics into comedy? I mean, you know, the more I think about it, it kind of, the skills, the social skills, at least, that you need to have from, like, improv or comedy translate well into politics. I mean, if you can handle a heckler, like, a debate should be no problem, right? But That's anything as far as, like, politics into comedy? Um, You know, to tell you the truth, like, this current administration has kind of made me with very few exceptions hate political comedy like there are a couple exceptions where it ends up working out um but now like every single debate sketch on snl i'm just like you guys are normalizing the fascist creep a little bit by just making them look like some boober and no he's a monster and God, I know that's like totally shutting down what you were trying to go for. No, it makes terrible sense. And, you know, no, no, you're fine. I mean, I, I think too, part of what happened with SNL was that, you know, they couldn't not do a lot of those sketches, I feel, because in the previous, like with the famous, like, Tina Fey, Sarah Palin sketches, those just did so incredibly successfully that it's like when you're now presented with, you know, the amount of political fodder that they've been given, like, what do you do other than try and recreate that same success? But because there's just so much of it, I think the redundancy is starting to become apparent. Um, everything and it's hard with this current administration because half the stuff being done just almost comes off as parody like veep ended at exactly the right time mm -hmm. because everything else that they would do would just go well trump's already did it yeah so (laughs) (laughs) trump beat you to the punch it's like the administration becomes oh i'm sorry i i was just gonna say like it's interesting too talking about like SNL basically getting painted into the corner and being like forced to do political sketches like that. Like Tina Fey had no choice. The public demanded that she play Sarah Palin and she did it perfectly. But like, it's also like because SNL is such an institution with history, in some ways they're very limited with what they can do. And I think one of the cool things about the comedy scene kind of moving online out of no choice whatsoever is that it's kind of paved the way for some innovation because nothing's an institution like what works at one open mic online for an unknown comedian might not work at another open mic for a known comedian you know um and even professional comedians I think it was uh Doug Benson did like an online stand-up thing that people could pay to see and and all sorts of stuff like that so it's kind of breaking through some of that so maybe that'll that'll freshen up our political comedy a little bit hopefully yeah i think um, you include more voices and you're inevitably gonna have you know those fresh perspectives that people are looking yeah 
one of the cool things um, that kind of combined the two worlds, and uh, I'm actually trying to uh, emulate that because why create something new when you can blatantly rip off other people that do it better? Uh, the Wisconsin Democrats did a, a bunch of stand-up, uh, did a stand-up fundraiser, and they had like a lot of really great comics in there um, and also some locals. So like Sarah Silverman was on there, Mike Birbiglia came in, and they had just a bunch of these other comics from like road comics who are basically making their living like going from club to club to club to these really big headliners that people instantly recognize and know and are willing to like go out of their way to go and see and um so now i'm trying to do that for one of my own fundraisers for some of the people at hop on the mics uh you guys are in yeah yeah we'll be there <laughs> fundraiser open mic slash yeah. roast that's what it's gonna <laughs> be the democratic party <laughs> oh god Putting uh, the speaking party of back roasts in. for my bachelor party do we emulate the pat roast but make it better because we don't have to worry about breakdowns no because uh, we still have to worry about your approval numbers buddy that's true <laughs> <laughs> it will be live streamed um but yeah no uh but like going back to kind of what we were saying about like you know the online thing uh you know giving people you know these connections and voices and platforms that they wouldn't otherwise have like explored doing one of the things that's been kind of cool about the mic has been when we have international people coming in that's been kind of cool that's been um, awesome um like uh get, getting the canadians in um like desiree oh, kelly mm -hmm. uh camillo um which, like, I know that's only just across a pretty easy to get across border, but um, we've also had comedians come in from, like, Russia, uh, one from Indonesia, which was amazing, uh, India, and it's super neat getting, like, kind of different perspectives on these voices, and um, Russian comedy is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a different flavor. <laughs> Just like uh, cultures, you know, different foods have different flavors. I think the same applies for comedy. Um, yeah. It's like genetically programmed to be funnier than most people. Like, is that is that just like a thing? <laughs> like, every Canadian is like the funniest person ever. I think it's built I mean, it's into them. True so far for me. <laughs> it's like their second puberty. So when they turn like 18, 19, it starts growing on them. And then they're finally like really funny by 22. Mm, okay. <laughs> because growing up uh, in Maine I knew a lot of like under 18 Canadians and they were not funny at all a lot of hot jokes <laughs> well yeah that I can imagine but um okay so what I'm hearing though overall is that as far as like politics into comedy we're not gonna get a set from you soon that is like my political stand-up no, <laughs> because <laughs> that would be making a joke out of your line of work. I'd be making a joke of what I do for money, and I'm horrendously insecure. <laughs> I'm just worried people will figure out I'm not useful. <laughs> and yeah. Also, alderman humor seems like a very niche market. <laughs> yeah, it's like this guy wants to cut the budget of Parks and Rec. <laughs> Well, lot 73 is zoning code 4271A, but I think it should be zoning code 4217C 
You know what I mean? <laughs> I've heard of down zoning, but this is ridiculous. Da, 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 da. Oh my so God. And now we have the set. We'll just do that. And now we we'll um, just have a set of me like talking about zoning puns. Well, okay. Then if not political, how would you describe your own self of uh, sense of humor? Um, I like hyperbole a lot. I, I get really into hyperbolic statements, especially when I would do live performance and improv, because I always thought an, an easy way, but also like a really fun, clever way to like let you kind of build off was to take things and really amp them up to first their logical, logical extreme, and then absolutely illogical extreme. So I like really escalating, like getting into big fights over uh, Chinese food or whoopie pies. Like my fiance and I's worst fight was because she likes Pennsylvania whoopie pies and I like Maine whoopie pies. And that makes her a heathen and an abomination. Mm. Uh, so it's, that was a terrible example, but um, <laughs> it's, it's things like that, that I, I get really into. And um, I've also, as I've actually gotten older and gotten into like um, an engagement I, I, I get a lot of really good material just out of some of like the small things of relationships that people can kind of ignore. <laughs> um, yeah, most people can kind of like ignore here and there. Getting engaged has been the best for my comedy. <laughs> it has yeah. because it gives me the best. <laughs> no matter what happens with my comedy, I have the greatest story of my engagement and it always gets laughs. I totally surprised Chelsea when I proposed. And so we walk into the house I pull the ring out of my pocket. I'm really nervous. I'm, I'm sweating a little bit. I drop down to one knee and open the ring and go, will you marry me? And then she answers, no way. <laughs> <laughs> the worst <laughs> surprise answer. <laughs> like, okay, well, I'm gonna go fill my pockets with rocks and walk into the bay now. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and then no she's like, way. no it's way! <laughs> it's so easy to imagine her saying that, though, because she's such a chill person. That would just be like a genuine that. reaction. That is no it. exaggeration awesome. of what occurred, except for the, well, I'm going to fill my box with rocks. So I'm just standing there right after she said, no way. And then she's just doing this speechless. And I'm like, so uh, can I get an answer here? We're doing this or uh <laughs> we're doing this or, or or again the bay bridge is right over there it's an easy trip oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, okay suicide. well so that's your sense of humor but as far as like preparing i know you mentioned that like you'll do like 10 minutes maybe of prep before the mics <laughs> I, it depends on the day. Um, so there's sometimes it depends on the day. So there are sometimes where I'm actually like really good about writing out the sets like over the week, trying to really iron them out and like get things streamlined. Um, other times, like I'll start working on the material like that morning and kind of write it down. And then sometimes I'm like, well, I had a crazy busy day, and instead of writing my jokes like an adult. I played Call of Duty, um, and oh shit, I gotta sign off after this map and uh, go jump on the mic I'm a co-host of. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're late. <laughs> Damn. Oh, you're one of those people that still plays Call of Duty. Heck yeah, I'm getting back into the Call of Duty. 
I, uh, Duty. <laughs> I am so bad at it though. I've gotten so bad at video games. I'm competing against like a bunch of mountain dude up 16 year olds and they beat me every single time. It's embarrassing. <laughs> if they told you they were 16, then they're probably like 12. <laughs> Oh my god, I know. I'm just I'm getting beat up by a bunch of <laughs> Not to like girls. dig the nail deeper into the coffin because you already weren't feeling great about that. But... <laughs> yeah. It's like high school uh, all over again, getting bullied by 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But any like... I don't want to say like formal writing exercises because I don't have anything like that either. And I also feel like sometimes, at least for me, I don't know if it's different for you, it doesn't make a difference like sometimes I'll spend the entire week and I'll be able to like actually dedicate time to being like oh I thought of this premise at work how can I like break that down into a joke and then it's when it's like I have like two ideas floating around and then I'll just kind of improv um off of those and I feel like there hasn't really been a consistent through line as far as like when I prepare my jokes are much better when I don't prepare my jokes are not as good um that hasn't really been a trend that I've seen so so for me what, what, I've, what I've seen for me is if I either get a lot of prep time to really nail down exactly what I've written and exactly how I've written it out it works or if I'm just like not totally coming off the cuff, but like if I've actually tried to write something down an hour before, so everything is very fresh, they work out. Um, it's that weird in-between where nothing works out for me because I'm kind of confident in the material. I'm kind of not confident in the material. So I need to keep like checking and I can't like that. Da, da, da. Th those are the ones when I start floundering. Um, and like an example for that is the joke that I love the premise of, and I'm still trying to work on nailing it, is the I'm stress eating a whole rotisserie chicken out of the trunk of my car in the parking lot of a giant. And it's a funny idea. And it's a funny premise that's actually happened to me, but I, I just can never quite nail the end of it. And I think it's because like I, I've never either A, really sat down and written and ironed it out completely, or B, I've never gone like, or, and I also just didn't write it like 10 minutes before I jumped onto the mic, uh, running in between like errands and, and like call, call of duty. duty. Yeah. Call of duty. <laughs> but like, um, I think something that the downside to some of this, like online only open mics though, um, actually this isn't criticism of the mics itself. It's just something that I'm starting to notice in lockdown. Nothing new is happening to me. Mm. I have, I've hit my kind of wall for like new material. And like, that's why one of my jokes is just me going like, I'm a terrible partner because I have no new interesting things to say. It's basically just, so what happened at work today? Well, uh, I got bullied on Call of Duty by a 12 year old. So <laughs> pretty tough day, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, to you really uh, have to give really yeah. abstract with your humor right now because it's like no one wants to hear another joke about a work meeting on zoom like we get it it's it's a sucky platform funny stuff occasionally happens it's awkward mm. but at the same time like if you mention work meeting in zoom in your stand-up you can just feel everybody <laughs> turning their mind off and just like not <laughs> yeah. listen to you anymore it doesn't matter how good the joke is. It's like so stale at this point. 
and it's kind of like we're all having the same experiences so you have to go even that much farther and make make it even more abstract than you normally would which in some ways makes the material like less relatable it's why I got so excited when someone tried to pick a fight with me on outdoor karaoke. I'm like, yes, a new experience. <laughs> the, dumbest, the dumbest reason to almost pick a fight with someone at outdoor karaoke. I wouldn't let this random drunk dude sing Wagon Wheel with me. That's so... so <laughs> So just to give it some context, I helped organize um, mm -hmm. a socially distanced uh, auction and raffle for the auto bar, uh, a local bar here in Baltimore that uh, is struggling <laughs> like, all, like all local bars are right now because no one's helping them. Um, <laughs> and uh, they have everything set up socially distanced. You're sitting at tables and they're playing around with this area mic for, for open mic karaoke. And I see Brooks get up to sing Wagon Wheel. And then I see this guy get right in his face. And then I see the guy, like, I, I see Brooks, like, shake his head. Then I see the guy rip his glasses off and chuck them as hard as he physically can into the chain link fence and do the international oh. symbol for you want to go, bro, which is like. <laughs> it's like, you want to go? And I'm wow. very polite. He's like, go on. He, like, this, dude, this drunk off is my dude, like, comes rolling in. Um, He'd have to be, yeah. Comes rolling out <laughs> on his bicycle. <laughs> the number one way to come rolling in while drunk. Um, gets like right up here. It's like, let's sing together. I love this song. I'm like, no, because you're maskless. And let, please, please back up away, sir. So I kind of like take a couple steps back. He gets like right up here again. Like, come on, let's sing again. And I do like a very gentle, like, no, back Ooh. away from me, please. <laughs> and then, yeah, he throws his sunglasses and just does the... You want to go. And like, I, I think people think that I would be good in a fight because I, I, I'm like decaf coffee. Because you're half like, bear. Yeah, I'm like decaf coffee, though. I look like I could get the job done, but I don't. And one of us is going to end up asleep later. And it's probably me because I'm going to get knocked out. <laughs> well, I, I will also say you. at the auto bar, you're probably safer than at most bars would be because it's kind of like and i hate to mention the blue collar comedy tour but they are the kind of bar staff that does enjoy bouncing for a reason <laughs> and so they bounce the guy super fast especially because he hit one of like my friend chuck who's a bartender there who's like the nicest guy ever he hit him with his bike when he threw his bike but they threw him out really fast and he kept trying to come back and like bargain his way back in. <laughs> and they kept being like, no man, you gotta leave. Oh, he was waiting like at the entrance of the bar when I was like leaving and trying to get some pizza from this food truck. And we look at each other while I'm holding my pizza. And I'm like, I don't want to drop this pizza and fight this guy. <laughs> so can I get hit and run back to my car and not mess up this pizza? <laughs> I'll, I'll sacrifice myself for the pizza it was really Let good pizza, pizza. it was definitely worth at least a couple hits in the face okay. i've just never so aggressively wanted to karaoke sing wagon wheel with a stranger before i mean under normal <laughs> circumstances when the wagon wheel gets into you you just want to join in on that and normal circumstances i welcome that brotherhood mm. on wagon wheel yeah but 
Just not during a pandemic, a, guys. Pandemic. Like, if, and if he had <laughs> okay. been in a mask, you know what? I would have, I would have allowed it. But he was maskless. He was like right, right there. Well, he was a short fellow, so he was like right here. So like all his droplets were actually probably just going into my chest. But still, we have to be safe. <laughs> yeah, you got you gotta watch the drops these days. Gotta, gotta watch the drops. But you know, Audubon staff is nothing but consummate professionals, and they. We stepped in and kept things safe for us as they always do. So and I tested negative for COVID later. <laughs> Yay! Yay! And the fundraiser oh ended gosh. up going well, I... right? Yeah, it went really well. Um, we we did well at the bar that day. We did well. Um, we did well with the raffle and the online auction. Um, but it's just with everything. I mean, my boyfriend owns a bar. It's like time will tell. I mean, there's been the live entertainment industry has in and bar industry has taken the biggest hit for all of us in this pandemic they have been hit the hardest and the worst and they have gotten next to no help um which i'm gonna get off my soapbox now because it's not really funny but <laughs> no, like i was That's a bartender okay. i was the bartender um I was a bartender and actually got laid off uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic because indoor dining was not safe. And so like when during the summer and actually during the winter, like I just bundle up and I, I'll eat outside and get like a bunch of carry out. But like you can't do it safely. And I just really I think the industry has stepped up and like trying to keep its customers safe and trying to make stuff work. But there's been literally no support for it. Mm -hmm. Um one of the frustrating things for me has been, though, like, all of a sudden, these, like, former colleagues and servers I used to be working with who, like, barely graduated high school are now, like, more qualified than the CDC at predicting COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, well, you barely passed your high school chemistry class, but all of a sudden, you you understand that COVID is a hoax so that you can solve it by just drinking mouthwash, so... <laughs> <laughs> which also interestingly enough contains alcohol and will kill your brain cells so <laughs> i got cause sweet. and effect situation going on there the most bizarre <laughs> thing for me from a medical profession actual medical professionals during covid was i went to the dentist this is my first time in the dentist for five years but i finally had dental insurance so i'm like by god i have to use this because everything hurts um the and so I, I go to the dentist. They're like, all right, so to deal with COVID, you're going to swish this hydrogen peroxide in your mouth. And after like I do it and spit it out, they're like, yeah, we don't, we don't know if it does anything or not, but it seems like it could be safe. <laughs> you're, you're medical professionals. You should, you should know this better. Also say that to me before I like, swish anything in my mouth would also be helpful this probably doesn't do anything but no, this, we want to see a gargle swish <laughs> this stuff that like makes you feel like you're going to vomit in your mouth and it may or may not do anything i don't know by the way we're recording this and if you throw up we're going to put it on the internet <laughs> <laughs> Views. My, dentist, my dentist was weirdly aggressive about making me come in for an appointment during all this and i'm just like no no your job is literally to put your hands in people's mouths all day. I can't think of a less safe thing to do right now. And I kept telling them no. And then every few months I kept getting a call. So I just started scheduling appointments and then canceling them in advance. So they'll leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
so like I I was dealing with some like really severe uh tooth pain and because I hadn't been to the dentist in like five years I I was really worried like okay your luck is finally run out and you need like a super root canal or something turns out I just stress grind my teeth and this this was like the buildup to the presidential during a pandemic. So like every single, it's not even when I sleep, I've increasingly noticed. It's just like whenever I turn on the news, which I have to for my job, I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, you are To the point where I browned my canines flat. <laughs> this is what Aww. this stress has done to me. But I was actually yeah. like kind of excited to go to the dentist again because last time I went to the dentist was to get my wisdom teeth removed. And they gave me laughing gas, which Ooh. is, I, 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 I enjoyed it way too much. Um, <laughs> I, so they put me on the laughing gas and he pulls my back wisdom tooth and then he pokes the other one. I'm like, wait, he just pulled a tooth and he's poking another wisdom tooth. He pulled the wrong one. So I make him stop and get like his forceps out of my mouth. He's like, you pulled the wrong tooth. Like, no, I'm a professional and you're intoxicated. Go back to the sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Little more gas for you, Grandpa. Oh, point, good sir. <laughs> like, no, oh and I'm, like laughing gas. Brooks was like, okay. Like, had I been sound of mind, I'd be like, how dare you accuse me of, of not knowing what I'm talking about? I am a straight white man, and I said this with confidence. But now I'm laughing gas. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I so remember. For getting the other after effects because I was your roommate at the time yeah, and that buddy. was uh, basically where the fried Uncrustable was born was <laughs> being snowed in while Brooks is like on whatever they gave him to deal with the pain from his wisdom teeth being removed <laughs> and it gave me this brilliant idea Tom comes, comes in and there's like a snowstorm swirling around like two feet of snow fell that night and Tom's like, I'm going to eat an Uncrustable. And I sit up from the couch, an ice pack of snow upon my face, and go, you want to fry that? <laughs> and it was the greatest culinary thing invented. Um, uh, in, in, while I was there in that house, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that qualifier. Oh, my God. It also reminded me of, like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the qualifiers but no it actually did kind of remind me of like there's always like that weird challenge on every season of top chef that becomes like the talk of the season and like i remember there was one episode where they were like you have to like make a gourmet meal out of stuff you find in a vending machine and it's like a uh, guy made something with like flaming hot cheetos as like the breading as he fried it something it was, oh so good at least it looked good. I didn't get to eat it. We haven't reached that level of technology yet for Flaming Hot our... Cheetos is breading for fried chicken is amazing. Mm. If people take nothing from oh, this speaking podcast of which... except for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, I uh I know that you have the like food centered Instagram and you were just on the everything's going to be fine uh baking show, right? Right. So yes, with Kelly. Let's talk about your experience on that a little bit. Yeah, that was was actually really fun. So um, with food, my dad taught me how to cook, um, and that's kind of been like the big 
father-son bonding thing. Um, and we actually have like this uh, cast iron pan passed down from my great grandfather to my grandfather, dad, to me, and the same like this old uh, butcher's knife, like made in the old country of Germany um, that we recently excavated. So like, I, I love cooking. I think it's a great way to like kind of communicate with your past, with others, learn new cultures. And Kelly Zemnickis, uh, a comic out of Toronto, has a baking show called It'll Be Fine done on YouTube. And we got to make uh, what were supposed to be rainbow cookies. But I am a terrible baker. I can like cook, fry, <laughs> grill, anything. But baking, like I always have these holdups because you have to do everything science-y and precise versus like if you're doing a stir fry, you just add the right amount. And you know yep. what the right amount is once you taste the right amount, you'll know. Um, so I ended up goofing and they both looked just like tie-dye cookies more than anything else. Um, but it was super cool because like you're cooking and interviewing and just like kind of hanging out. And um, it's kind of a neat way to format these because like on top of the, the quasi interview going on and asking each other questions, it's, um, you know, you're making cookies. <laughs> Maybe, like, maybe we'll change this one up and we'll like have, okay, now we're also going to make origami cranes while we try and interview people or just some unnecessarily difficult task. Because I think I, that baking is super hard, especially, yeah, compared to normal cooking. It's like if you are off by a little bit for a measurement in baking, it's like the whole thing doesn't work. Yeah. Plus, like, the recipe we gave was like, do this thing correctly. And that's all the advice it gave us. And to get like the rainbow layers looking exactly right, they had to be done in a very specific way. And I did, neither of us did them correctly, but especially me, I did not do it correctly at all. <laughs> so it was so like the technical even... challenge on the Great British Baking Show and, and you guys both came in last. Yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, Gordon Ramsay did this thing and he's like, I'm going to yell this very complex thing to an amateur chef and neither of us gets to see the what the other is doing and then I'm going to make fun of how you cannot cook like a five-star beef Wellington even though it's like your second time in a kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, that'll do it. Well, like, it was a lot of fun. And um, <laughs> I, I, I do recommend watching her show. Like, it, it's enjoyable because you get to, get to watch, like, baking recipes and interviews with comics. Like, Ralph Anthony uh, was on the show. Desiree was on the show. Um, so, like, a couple of the comics that come into the TB&J and do, like, a lot of the district uh, district comedy events have been on there. It's, it's neat. It's a good way to kind of get to know people when they're not doing their stand-up character. Yeah. yeah yeah and i do i do like that i i i feel like i've met so many cool people through the open mics but then that's like another layer to it too it's like what are you like outside the open mic or like even just like are you actually my friend when you're not telling jokes at me <laughs> <laughs> which is like mostly just my insecurity talking but i think that like being able to set up some kind of activity to also hang out with these people is like another added layer to the benefit cake of Zoom comedy. And you we were talking about a baking show. Now we're talking about Zoom cake. So it all ties together. Um, we should rename this Zoom cake. <laughs> wait, what? We should rename this podcast Zoom cake. Oh um, my god. I kind of like laughing into the void. 
okay. a little That's bit. Also a good one. In space, no one can hear you scream, but they might be able to hear you laugh. You don't know. Oh, <laughs> That's not even explored. <laughs> maybe love, maybe love <laughs> is recepted, recepted more than than desperation. I need to talk about like sending things into space. How we should stop doing that because like we keep trying to talk oh. to aliens, but I feel like they will be inherently hostile based upon when an advanced species encounters a less advanced species. Well, I I kind of want to bring it up now, but if you guys saw, I had a Facebook post while this was still just like a thought. And I was asking people like what they would title a comedy live stream podcast, whatever, if they could. And there were some pretty good suggestions in there. I'm trying to remember some of the good ones, but my brain- The one that made me laugh was never been done before. Oh yeah. I think that was Daniel Flores who comes to the mic a lot. So that's always appreciated. But um, yeah, for now it's uh, laughing into the void because rebranding's a bitch and I already- coded the website and it's a great it's a great password to get back into the admin site so <laughs> it's a great name uh, i like it yay all right well uh we're almost at the end of our time so i want to give you the opportunity brooks if there's any last things that you want to say if you want to plug either your alderman page or your instagram or whatever mics or events you have coming up next? Um, I would actually like to plug our open mic, the TBNJ mic, every Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and you can also find us on Displaced Comedians. And uh, it's every Thursday. It's a great time. Uh, we welcome new comics, newcomers, veterans, experienced people. So please come check us out. Do a three to four minute set and have a great time. And yeah. laugh about Uncrustables. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth and creamy. <laughs> like the filling of an Uncrustable. Like the filling of an Uncrustable. We're sponsored by Smuckers, by the way. Ooh. Oh my god. I wish I want that money. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Otherwise, that's it. Thanks for everybody uh, who watched the first episode. Thank you, Brooks, for being our first guest. And Roz, of course, for being my co-host on this. And now uh, we're going to watch me struggle for a little bit while I try and figure out how to turn off the live feed. Uh -huh.